Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 11, issue 516. And we finally arrived at the end of our Mario Kart series with eight and eight deluxe, of course. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Darren Gargett. It's a you. And Ryan Jow. I'm Ryan, number one. And uh, sadly, that damn Ned coronavirus has taken out the wonderful Jesse Fuchs. But uh, we'll come to him. When you say taken out, he's not dead. He's all right. Oh, no, he's taken him out of the show. (laughs) Sorry, it's just the way Uh, you delivered that was quite a He spun around a couple times (laughs) and you wiggled around in his car before he can keep going. He's been blue shelled, (laughs) is what you're saying. He's been thwomped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, no. Uh, as far as we know, he's uh, you know he's got he's got uh, regular flu type symptoms. Hopefully, that'll be the the sum total of it. But uh, he's on like day two, so he's pretty much in the thick of it. So uh, so he couldn't join us today. He's in the state now where he feels flattened and and drifting down peacefully like a little piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Classic Mario Hopefully, by the time anyone hears this show, he'll be uh, he'll be firing on all cylinders again. So Mario Kart 8 and Deluxe are the 8th and 9th, but that's not including the Namco arcade coin-ops, of which I think we decided there were three, maybe? I think it's still three. It I could, think could there's be... two here and there's three in Japan, right? Yeah, sure and they've, they've, they've been going for about since about 2004-05 as well, oh, haven't they? And the, even when the you first... win, they cost, it costs you a quid to play the next race. That's so right. Get yeah. Lost. We can't really cover them is the point. I think we've mentioned this before. I have played, I, I, I was lucky enough to play the original in an arcade in Japan and you do see them around in uh, sort of uh, arcade type places in, in the UK still. I've seen the second one recently for sure. But uh, but I haven't, you know, obviously we've all played dozens and dozens of hours of the of the console games and not the arcade games so uh, so we're not we're not reviewing those as such and they, they are non-canon. <laughs> They've got Pac-Man in. Um... <laughs> Anyway, yes, so these are the ones we're covering, the 8th and 9th main games in Nintendo's long-running cartoony, uncombative kart racing series. When we booked this show in, when I booked this show in, I thought, well, this will work because it'll be like the fifth anniversary of the release of the Switch game and it'll end our series nicely and maybe there'll be some news of a Mario Kart 9 or something, maybe a launch with the Switch 2 or something like that. But no, instead, they elected to belatedly in the game's life announce a 48 dlc tracks which we'll talk about now they've only released this 2014 game at the time of recording is less than half done yeah exactly uh we'll talk more about that but um it is uh it is remarkable and yes so at the time of recording this we've only played eight of the 48 tracks so it could those last 40 tracks could completely change our opinion of mario kart 8 but i doubt it uh, I think uh, I think we know uh, we, we, our opinions are probably set in stone. Maybe they'll, maybe the the quality of the tracks in one direction or another will sway us slightly. But I think after uh, what uh, eight years of Mario Kart Eight, I think we know what, kind of what we think about the the main game. So, Darren, as you say, you've been with us nearly all the way. What's your history though with Eight? Eight, hey, yeah. So played it on the Wii U from launch. I got the Blue Shell Edition. You know, the little trophy kind of thing. Did that, that come have. with a toy? Yeah, yeah, the blue shell job. It is an actual blue shell that sits on a little podium type thing. <clears throat> Hunts you down. It looks nice. <laughs> yeah, in your sleep. It, you know, <laughs> just when you've got enough sleep, it kind of drops on your head and uh, wakes you up. Yeah. Yeah, so I've played it on the Wii U 
a lot. You know, we did a lot of game nights on the um, we did on the forum and people online on the, on the Instagrams and Twitters and all that nonsense. And uh, yeah, yeah, and um, just played it a lot. There's not too much to add to that really, other than I yeah. got it on launch and we played it a lot. And I did the same you for the Switch sure one. Have. I was a yeah. bit, I was a bit hesitant to buy it again for the Switch, to be honest, because I was just a bit like, okay, like I've got it on the Wii U, but then. Okay. Do I want to pay for it again? So I sold my Wii U version for a look at CEX for a decent amount of money with the Blue Shell toy. And it was like, uh, you know, you get £70 trading. So I thought, I'll tell you what, I'll do that. I'll chop it in. The back of that. <laughs> yeah, because it kept waking me up. Exactly. Oh, hello. And um, so, yeah, I picked up the <laughs> Switch version from somewhere, somewhere else. I don't know. And um, yeah, and uh, I... I've always had this kind of thing in my mind is like the Wii didn't do great, but it had no. some of, in my opinion, some of the best Nintendo software available. And so it made sense a hundred percent for Nintendo to port it over despite yeah. my initial kind of disappointment in it, not being a new one. You know, I was like, Oh, I really wanted a new one. Why not? But then if, if I, I, I asked myself the question, if I was Nintendo and I made my favorite Mario Kart game, spoiler, would I want to make it more, available to more people in the world and make more money of course i would mm-hmm. so i kind yeah. of understood wholeheartedly why they did that and um well it's arguably the best-selling game of all time now right so or was best-selling it the racing f- game yeah was it the first one of the big uh, obviously not including breath of the wild was it the first of the kind of the the wii u centric titles to get a, a slightly brushed mm. up port to the switch certainly early I think wasn't so. it? donkey kong tropical freeze was another one right that was kind of around yeah. about the same-ish time. It's all a bit yeah. of a blur to me, like yeah. like, like most things are. Um, but yeah, man. <laughs> Why am like, I asking you? <laughs> <laughs> and recently we've had Pikmin 3 Deluxe come out with another kind of yeah. DX suffix. or Barely any different. Captain oh, Toad and plenty more. Yeah. 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 Now, Ryan, when we started this odyssey of uh, Nintendo karting games, you were actually working for the big N in mm-hmm. America. Yeah. So you couldn't join us on these podcasts, even if you'd wanted to. So... Can you fill us in with a bit of your your backstory with with the Mario Kart game? Yeah, uh, I never owned any Mario Kart game before this one. Actually, thinking back to it, weirdly enough, like ah. I, I played, I played them plenty Surprise. because they're just always there's those games that yeah, are just of kind of always around. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think I had ever like really gone out of my way to to own one. But I played a lot of mario kart 64 because i was kind of at the age where you know the the neighbor kids down the street had their n64 we'd go down there and and play their games all the time played the banjo kazooie and mario 64 and mario kart and all these you know these games that have become kind of like formative classics from my youth and uh, and then they'd come up to our place to play the playstation games and um yeah so i you know i had a ton of time on mario kart 64 and I, I think at the time, what kind of dissuaded me from further purchases or at least made it not as high of a priority is that like, I, I just, I found Mario Kart 64 kind of like fun as like a background thing to do when you're just hanging out with friends anyways, but I didn't find the game to be that compelling in its own right. Uh, especially because at the time that I was playing it, um, you know, I was also playing Diddy Kong Racing at the same time, which I found to be a little bit more interesting from like a, a gameplay and like the open world exploration perspective. And then um, I, I was playing a lot of Crash Team Racing um, on the PlayStation, which I yeah. 
thought um, made a lot of really, really smart changes to the Mario Kart formula. And uh, I think ultimately, uh, like in my opinion, kind of run circles around what Mario Kart was doing at the time. And uh, so, you know, I, I was kind of like, I was satisfied in other areas when it came to kart racers. And so I hadn't mm. really um, gone out of my way to necessarily seek out um, the series going forward, but always enjoyed opportunities when I got to play them at a, at a friend's place or whatever. Um, but uh, I, I, I did own a Wii U. I bought a Wii U pretty close after, after launch of the system. And um, I think, I think it was, uh, I think it was the law actually that you had to buy Mario Kart because um, if you owned a Wii U, you know, it, yeah. it wasn't that long before the software releases started drying up a little bit there was a lot of really brilliant mm -hmm. stuff on the system and we're seeing a lot of that come over to the switch now but uh but it, it certainly wasn't you know an xbox 360 glut of games coming out every every single week that were you know just essential classics in retrospect um you know it was uh when a big game came out on the wii u it was kind of a big deal because there was this kind of small group of nintendo players at that time that uh that got really enthusiastic about it, and that enthusiasm was uh, was really hard to to ignore. So, um, I, I played it on the Wii U. Um, I feel like on the Wii U, I was kind of uh, I felt kind of similar to the way I did about Mario Kart sixty four. Like it was, it was it was very good. I enjoyed the time that I sat down with it, but it just didn't have the kind of like uh, the kind of stickiness that would just keep me going back to it over and over again. When it came to the Switch version, you know, obviously it was um, kind of remembered and regarded as being one of the kind of Wii U classics of impeccable quality and um, something that a lot of Switch owners were calling kind of an essential uh, addition to the Switch library. I was kind of on the fence as to whether or not I would purchase it, but uh, luckily I got it as a gift from work. I got a digital code from when I was working at Nintendo. I got that in arms Fantastic. at the same time. And uh, so, yeah, that was, uh, it was really kind of fortuitous. And I've, um, I've, I've really enjoyed having it on Switch ever since then. You know, it's still not a game that I come back to like all the time, all the time, but it's, it's nice to, I, I'm always pleasantly surprised by like, how much fun I have whenever I do go back to it. So it, it's nice to have around. I'm, I'm glad that I have it on the Switch now. Mm. Yeah, my history is similar to Darren's. For my history with the series, please listen back to those podcasts. I've played all of them pretty much contemporaneously with their releases. We're, we're not carrying Mar uh, covering Mario Kart Tour in this series mm. either, by the way, uh, which kind of has been uh, sort of, brought into canon as it were by the by the the dlc releases of the new tracks because even the first batch of eight has three mario kart tour tracks uh, but i've never actually played the mobile game it's the one mario kart that i haven't played but i played all the others uh completed them all to some extent usually quite an extent sometimes multiple times over and played most of them in local multiplayer if not online as well and um yeah i bought this one as soon as it came out on Wii U digitally. It was a relatively early digital purchase, but it felt like one of those games that I would just have installed and then it was just always instantly accessible. Uh, and yeah, played that loads. We, As Darren said, we the Cane and Rinse podcast was already 
good uh, two and a half, three years old when this came out. So uh, we already had something of a community and we, we had lots of well attended game nights, which are a hard thing to pull off, even when you're uh, way, even way more popular kind of podcasts and stuff than us have had uh, have had trouble trying sort of getting game nights together and, and getting community play sessions to really take off. But with with Mario Kart, it was just always kind of guaranteed that we would we would get at least one full room. I remember one session. I don't remember. I think this might have been on the, the deluxe version early days of Switch. I think we had three rooms at one point in on one go, yeah. which isn't a huge amount of human beings in the grand scheme of things. But for a relatively modest sized podcast mm. and a game night, that's actually, you know, getting like 30 odd people together was, you know, quite a big deal. And um, and it felt it was good. It was fun. Um, and yeah, I, I got this. Uh, so I, I wanted the upgraded version when I got my switch and um, my partner who bought me my switch in it's around my birthday of 2017. So a few months after the launch when they were available and she kindly got me the game and the console. And yeah, I pretty much just went straight back to it like it was a brand new game, played it all over again, played all the trophies and didn't, I haven't got three stars on every single trophy, but I've got, uh, I've got three on a lot and, uh, and one or two on a lot of others. Um, and yeah, just countless local and multiplayer sessions, uh, online sessions. It's one of the games that does still, you know, when I do see certain friends, it still gets busted out. I even had a, a local multiplayer session on my switch at an airport in Greece. That's how, yeah. you know, that's how this game kind of rolls um, more than almost any other game. It's just there. People know it. People are willing to try it, even if they haven't played this version. And um, yeah, it just has a certain ubiquity and sense of uh, inclusion and fun that just means it kind of lives on. And yeah, since these DLC tracks started coming out, we've been back to it a couple of times online sessions i've i've had local sessions with my friend pete and my niece brooke and uh yeah it's all today i've been playing it um just getting the mirror mode cups on the new tracks and stuff like that so yeah it's just it's an eight-year-old game effectively that just continues to to get played quite a bit for something so ancient in video games terms Made by Nintendo EAD, of course. I don't think this is one of the games that had... Uh, I know we, with Seven, we talked about it having... Um, was it Retro Studios had a hand in Seven? That's right. Um, yeah. And I know some of the other Nintendo games of modern times, they've kind of announced after they've come out that they were in tand working in tandem with people like Monolith and, uh, and other studios like that. I don't think this is one of those. I think it's just pure in-house Nintendo EAD, but forgive me if I'm wrong. Director was uh, Kosuke Yabuki on the uh, the Wii U version, and I think his role was then producer on the deluxe version with uh, Yusuke Shiraiwa being promoted from programming director to director of the game. Uh, and obviously uh, the name that uh, lives on for Mario Kart and has been there since the beginning is Hideki Kono as one of the producers, along with Yasuki Oyagi. The game was released on the Wii U worldwide between May the 29th and the 31st, 2014. Tibble and Bits from our forum says, I have an extremely vivid memory of buying Mario Kart 8 on release day in 2014. I was in line at GameStop and directly in front of me was a boy who couldn't have been more than 10 or 11 years old with his noticeably apathetic father. The father asked the son, what was that game you wanted? To which the son replied, Watch Dogs. 
I can only imagine what was going through the cashier's head when I visibly an adult proceeded to ask for Mario Kart 8. I'm sure hindsight has shown the cashier that I made the more mature informed purchase. After all, Mario Kart 8 was so good I bought it twice. Prior to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, I would have said Mario Kart DS was the best in the series, mostly for its wealth of content. I'm of the opinion that all Mario Kart games are great, but have at least one critical flaw that holds them back from being a definitive kart racing experience, if there is such a thing. Mario Kart DS's reliance on needing multiple handhelds and copies of the game to get the most out of it held the game back in my eyes because kart races are an inherently social game genre. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has no such critical flaw. I specified the Deluxe version because by adding a battle mode that isn't bad, Nintendo fixed the one glaring issue with Mario Kart 8. Deluxe has everything I'm looking for in this kind of game, a staggering number of spectacularly designed tracks, vibrant visuals that are still a showpiece for the Switch hardware, a joyful soundtrack, the tightest controls yet seen in the series, and a fun new gimmick with anti-gravity that doesn't overwhelm the rest of the game design as other prior series gimmicks did. And, to top it all off, it is one of the most approachable and enjoyable local multiplayer experiences out there. I've had so many great nights with friends thanks to this game. It's no wonder Nintendo is adding even more tracks to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Why would they not continue to support a game that keeps earning them ridiculous amounts of money? Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is so great that I struggle to see where Mario Kart 9 could even go from here, besides the obvious route of adding more Nintendo characters. All I know is that after Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, my expectations for the future of the series are now unreasonably high. The Switch version then came along with the Deluxe suffix on April 28th, 2017, all around the world. Reviews-wise, the original Wii U version was uh, an 88 on Metacritic, with the Switch version actually doing better at 92%. I suppose the uh, the years had been kind to it, plus the addition of all the DLC from out the box, and the fact that with the Switch you can you could easily play it either on your big TV at home or handheld on the on the go, as it were. Sales-wise, so yeah, this is pretty amazing. By the end of September 2021. More than 8.46 million copies were sold worldwide, making it the best-selling Wii U game. So that's 8.46 million copies on the Wii U. The console sold 13.56 million <laughs> units. Mm. That's nearly a 66% attach rate by my rough maths. That's pretty extraordinary. Uh, almost sort of heading back to the days of uh, you know Mario uh, Super Mario 64 kind of <laughs> levels of attachment. <laughs> Taylor Nodell, our Patreon, says, I've been a Switch owner since 2017 and I just picked up Mario Kart 8 Deluxe this week. So that's it. All Switch owners have Mario Kart now. <laughs> they can bundle something else with the Switch this holiday season. But actually, what I wanted to say was, uh, while it's a, it's a funny line, the actual, the attach rate is considerably lower percentage-wise on the Switch than it is on the Wii U, with a mere <laughs> 43 0.35 million copies having sold on the Switch. Wow. Cons that's considerably less than half Switch owners compared to two-thirds of Wii U owners who own the game, which obviously makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the, 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 the Switch, the last announcement of sales was 103.54 million units of the Switch. Can't see it being a success myself. Um, <laughs> 43.35 million copies of the game so in total that's what 52 million copies of mario kart 8 
across two platforms. When we're thinking about attach rates, it's also probably worth thinking about the fact that like the Switch probably makes a better case for having multiple per household than the Wii U did. And so right. there might be like user to user a similar attach rate for all we know. Fair point. Yes, very good point. Well, let's talk about how good it looks to the eye then. Did uh, did Mario Kart 8 first on the Wii U at, um, I guess it was, yeah, without going to Digital Foundry, it was a slightly lower resolution presentation on the Wii U than it was uh, on, on the Switch. It's 1080p on a on a screen that supports it and 720 on handheld, whereas I think the Wii U version was probably more like 720 on TV and obviously whatever the mm. resolution of the gamepad is on there. Um, but even so, I remember at the time coming off the back of uh, even the 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 3DS version, which which was a fine looking handheld game. This was a noticeable upgrade uh, oh, yeah. to any any Mario Kart mm-hmm. I'd played before. Uh, just a, a real sense of the world of of Mario Kart and and Mario and Nintendo IP as a whole coming to life. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, so, we've had seven before this, and the Wii version, the DS version. You know. Mario Kart for me has never been about, you know, visuals like you know, no. polygon pushing, like, oh, look how good this game looks. Like Mario Kart's always been like a, yeah. a nice, light and fluffy experience that you can turn off and on. And you're never going to go, wow, that looks amazing. Not even the arcade one impressed me in terms of visuals because, mm-hmm. you know, you'd, you'd expect that to be more flashy because they want your money more. But when I put Mario Kart 8 in, both in on the Wii U and the Switch, just the level of presentation is through the roof that I was not expecting. It really kind of, even from the load screen, when the flag, you know, the flag kind of Mario Kart 8 logo pops up and all the cart noises are in the background. And it really kind of took me by surprise. And my overall feeling of, of the game in general is that the, the, the presentation on just from start to finish is just absolutely top notch. And uh, it's, it sounds quite vain, but it's partly the reason why I love it so much is because it's it's a proper celebration of the Mushroom Kingdom and the go-karts that go around it. It's just, it's what I wanted from kind of like the Xbox 360 era, the PS3. You're like, oh, look at all these HD visuals and, and all the games come out and they were like brown and only Vivid Pinata and Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts and that kind of thing really kind of, you know, capture my imagination from that era. And I think, oh, I can't wait till Nintendo get around to pushing mm-hmm. their characters and their design aesthetic with higher high fidelity mm. and i remember playing mario 3d land on the 3ds mm. and you're running around one of bowser's castles and it was really shiny in the rain and stuff and i thought oh we're getting there we're getting mm-hmm. to nintendo really showing off what they can do with their cartoony aesthetic mm. but with higher fidelity and it really kind of it got me excited for the future because i was thinking yeah if nintendo carry on cranking this you know, well, this crank, we, we can get some amazing looking stuff from, from Mario. And, you know, lo and behold, um, yeah, Mario Kart 8 just kind of surprised me with it. And I was like, wow, I was not expecting that. And with Odyssey, we've had, we've had high fidelity graphics, but as we said, well, as I mentioned on the Odyssey podcast, I wasn't too taken by the realistic aesthetic of it. Cause I really want that kind of, I want like an Odyssey 2 to be set in the Mushroom Kingdom and have all of that graphical prowess pushed into that kind of you know that that environment mm. which is why <clears throat> spoilers for odyssey but when you go back to the n64 castle <laughs> and you see it in that kind of style you're like oh man it's so close to the whole game being like this but i i was more than happy for mario kart 8 to have this level of polish like even just the, the i know this isn't art and graphics but even like the sounds of like the engines like roaring and stuff i was not expecting any of it and it completely yeah. captured my heart I think one of the things about uh, one of the things that stands out the most about the art direction of this game is the 
like the characters really, really pop and have a lot of personality and a lot of, uh, yes, a lot of uh, a character kind of built into their animations are so good and memes happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Their face, the the fact that they look at each other as they pass, and the fact that they kind of look at items that are coming at them, they get facial expressions that are kind of full of dread, which is, uh, which really makes the uh, slow motion replays so much fun mm-hmm. to watch through again where in like most racing games i skip through replays but in mario kart i'll regularly go back and watch them because they're showing me kind of a different aspect of the game that i experienced yeah. the first time around and so much attention my to only detail. disappointment is they're not they're not full are they they're they're always that's true they're always yeah. clipped yeah. highlights that's some actual gran turismo style oh, <laughs> fully, right. maybe that's next gen uh fully editable like you could actually do machinima kind of stuff with them and anyway sorry yeah that's just a little wish list for nine the thing about the um mario kart characters and i think it's kind of been a like a bit of a weakness of the series since like the very beginning even on like the snes version is that um is that like mario characters are built to be very like kind of rounded and cartoony and very kind of like Mm. large and tubby in a way um you know, even the even the princesses have their kind of big voluminous dresses and everything like that. And, yeah. you know, it, they're always kind of like spilling over the carts, uh, you know, the, mm. these little tiny mm. carts and these giant, you know, gorillas. And especially and, if they're on a little scooter or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like fun- funky Kong on a on a tiny scooter or whatever. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, I think it's a, a fine enough style, but it kind of borders on uh, animation problems that come from uh what they call like like mascot suit problems where oh yeah yeah you know (laughs) it ends up looking a little bit robotic it ends up looking a little bit chuck e cheese it ends up looking like somebody in a mascot costume is performing Mm. these actions instead of Mm. the characters Mm -hmm. themselves and you know i think that some of their uh competitors like sonic the hedgehog and crash bandicoot tend to have characters that are built to a little bit more kind of like human specifications a little bit skinnier that don't have i mean sonic has giant head and giant hands and stuff like that but i think they bring up the original movie sonic at this point yeah (laughs) that's that's, that's where you can go too far in that direction no but they kind of i think they kind of translate to like sitting on these little carts a little bit more cleanly than the mario characters do without having this kind of mascot suit problem but the this Mm. game sidesteps it so so deftly by having like so much like really great um fluid character animation uh you know they put a lot of time and a lot of attention into making these characters feel reactive and real and not not to feel stiff you know because stiffness really kind of exacerbates the problems with like big exaggerated character models like they have to be moving around they have to feel kind of like loose and fluid in a way and uh mario kart 8 like really um really kind of steps up their game you know with regard to the character animation here one thing i would say about the, the the graphics overall and yeah i'm a big fan like i love how delightfully colorful it all is and how much detail there is in in the in the world but I, I do think there's a there there is some inconsistency as to the quality of assets and textures mm-hmm. in the backgrounds, and I and I think maybe it's partly based on how much they think you're going to be looking at certain areas and whatever else. But you do notice sometimes uh, if you do sort of slightly go off the beaten track. Obviously, there's only so far you can go before Lakitu yanks you back on the track. Um, but you will notice that yeah, some kind of 
some some surfaces and flowers are considerably more roughly hewn than uh, than some of the kind of hero areas i'm thinking like the the surface of the track on the uh, i never remember the official names of tracks but the the mm. sweet sweet one That's you know one. with a yeah sweet sweet one <laughs> sweet sweet <laughs> circuit i don't know um why not where you're where you're driving across candy and licorice and into fizzy pop and oh, all that yeah. and like um some of that stuff just looks absolutely spectacular whereas and I, and I think this has been brought up with the with the recent dlc tracks mm-hmm. where they've been kind of upscaled from the mobile game mm-hmm. um there's some areas which look it, it you know it still looks very pleasant on the eye overall but you can tell that maybe it's a bit kind of lower budget than some some tracks look a bit lower budget than others both metaphorically and literally yeah you know it kind of became a little bit of a of a meme of uh, people kind of criticizing side by side videos and screenshots of um, mm. what are, what should be kind of comparable textures, you know, with a, a grass texture on the base Wii U right. tracks that is, uh, you know, detailed and textured versus one off of the new uh, DLC, which is just kind of a flat green texture, um, which, you know, on one hand, it's kind of like with the textures are already, you know, ostensibly on disc, then why can't they just reference those textures instead? But at the same time, Mm -hmm. you have to think about like, if everything else is built to a kind of is built on a kind of flat texture, then you can't just inject the textures that you have. Otherwise, you're going to get aesthetic mismatches. So it's either everything would have to be kind of redone or nothing at all. Mm. And, uh, you know, I think the new the new tracks that look, um, look good enough, and they got they got a lot going on. Otherwise, uh, but I think that's one of the other areas that I kind of wanted to focus in on is um, the courses themselves, uh, which are, mm-hmm. you know, graphically and from a technical perspective, like there's a lot of really marvelous stuff going on. They, um, they're a bit hit and miss because there's a lot of kind of like, there's a lot of variation in, you know, what they're, what they're attempting to do in the first place. But um you know, there's so many great details like going underwater always looks good. I, I think especially that point at which uh, you can see kind of the top of the water always looks really nice. I, I think the only thing about this is that like the Mushroom Kingdom as a general kind of aesthetic guiding principle has never been as like, it's always been a little bit free of identity, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, which mm. I think it serves the series r- r- pretty well, hit or miss <laughs> speaking, um, over mm. the entire like course of the series, because it means that like a lot of different ideas and a lot of different kind of like genre tropes can be fit into the Mushroom Kingdom because it is a little bit more anonymous. Yeah. Um, but it, it does. Well, I think a lot of this comes out from them having farmed out so many Mario titles to second and third parties is they've yeah. ended up with this huge spread of different aesthetics and ideas and styles, all these places which are ostensibly the same place in the Mushroom Kingdom, but all look completely different. But if you think about even the the games that Nintendo really kind of stripped back to basics, like the new Super Mario Brothers games, mm. you know, the, that was the point at which they are kind of like reconciling everything that Mario has been to that time and are just kind of painting you know clean two-dimensional backgrounds and you know that should be the point at which like their design philosophy is easily read and easily understood and those those games felt a little kind of devoid of personality uh like the 
it seemed like the Mario world personality was just kind of like rounded hills in the background and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of even like Sonic has that kind of like checkerboard pattern on the sides of, of rock walls and stuff like that, that kind of give it a little bit more of like a Mm -hmm. signature feeling. Whereas Mario, like, it just seems like everything is just kind of like pastel colors and rounded hills and stuff like that. And so, you know, I, I think it's very open to, um, it's very receptive of different types of ideas. And, and that's why things as diverse as like Luigi's Mansion and New Donk mm. City can fit into this general aesthetic. And I think that fits it very well. But when it comes to the debate between should Mario Kart 9 be another Mushroom Kingdom game or should it be like a Smash style game where, you know, they're exploring kind of different Nintendo universes? It's kind of like, well, with this game, you know, ostensibly being this this enormous collection of mushroom kingdom original tracks like where do you go from here it just doesn't feel like there's much like much that's like gives it individual flavor as much as like i I don't know some of its competitors it's hard to say i don't know if i can get my finger on it exactly well, we we felt this with the Paper Mario Origami King, right? Where they come out and they said they couldn't really go crazy with the with the, uh, the with the characters like they did in Thousand Year Door because they were told not to. And I think kind of mm. your kind of your what you're what you're getting towards, Ryan, is that Nintendo are kind of generalizing what Mario is. And I think New Super Mario Brothers on the DS was kind of the start of that. You know, they 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 need to pare it back and and have a have a, a true Bible for people to um to work with. And so when the the director of origami kin it couldn't make anything as good as what they could in thousand year door people were a bit disappointed but when they start doing theme parks and movies and you know they're, they're going to mm-hmm, expand mm-hmm. the franchise to things more than just video games they do need to start standardizing it and making it kind of you know yeah uh, more general which is kind of a sad thing to say but i, I think I, it is I, th- I think like actually although it's it's a it's a double-edged sword this kind of uh scattershot approach that the history of the all these i mean how many mario games are there right how there there are just hundreds uh, uh, all by you know for every nintendo in-house first party one there's a bunch of other ones and we've ended up with this yeah real hodgepodge of of stylistic ideas and concepts over a 40 year period or whatever but actually that gives you a lot of interesting things to grab from and i think with skill it is possible to marry everything together. Think I'm thinking about um, how in uh, modern Marvel Cinematic Universe films, you can go from a scene where a talking raccoon mm-hmm. and a yeah. talking tree are goofing off to then within minutes having a very serious human versus human kind of you know existential crisis uh, moment talking about, I don't know, PTSD or, uh, or grief or something like that. And it somehow does hang together. So I think it is possible to to kind of knit these things together, but it's, I don't think it's easy. I was thinking, just talking about the stylistics of New Super Mario Brothers, I always, every time I play it, uh, New Super Mario Brothers U, which I, I agree, and I think there are issues with the, aesthetically with the New New Super Mario Brothers stylings. I'm I'm struck every time I play New Super Mario Brothers uh, U or the, or the deluxe version of that on the Switch, mm. suddenly you get to that world that looks like a Van Gogh painting. Yeah, but that's the uh, only and, one, though. <laughs> I know, but it's so weird. Like, in in the middle of all that kind of, yeah, very homogenous Mario-style, uh, you know, kind of shiny blocks mm-hmm. and um, familiar-looking stuff, suddenly you're in this place that looks like it's more like out of a Yoshi game, you know, something like that. 
I think if you were to, if, for me personally, if you were to point at a Mario Kart 8 or DX track that really showed what it's like to be in a Nintendo world, it would be Baby Park. Like when, yeah. when the when the camera pans around at the start of that, and you see in all the fairground rides and the toads on the roller coaster that fly over the top, like you can see why they've made Super Nintendo World in Japan and other places coming soon. So because it's like that to me is like, yep, I want to go there, and it just screams fun. But I, I know what you're saying about the general vibe of Mario Mushroom, you know, Mario's Mushroom Kingdom is that it doesn't doesn't really stand out too much you know in terms of yeah, identity then, but i guess that's kind of the point yeah and then tour has started to go into like real world locations which is cool as well mm. um you know the fact that they're you know it's kind of a blessing and a curse like you know the curse is that like nothing is like definitively mario feeling necessarily but the the blessing is that like you have so much opportunity to just like throw everything at the wall and see what sticks and so you know mario kart tour they've been racing around new york and tokyo and paris and like that seems like a really fun thing to be able to create from an artist's perspective from a design perspective uh, and, and you know i've really enjoyed those dlc courses i thought that they've been uh, really really well designed and have been a, a lot of fun to race on so um yeah i have kind of mixed feelings but uh there's a it, it's really hard to argue with the quality of the work that they've turned in they it's some really phenomenal courses that all uh, look terrific and um, oftentimes have some uh, really kind of like fun individual gimmicks you know that it's like almost kind of built around little set pieces and there's always like one really interesting thing in each course that sets it apart uh, you know for a game with so many courses you think like they might start to kind of homogenize but you know if I think about any course there's usually at least like one or two details like even the you know, even like the cheese course is like one of the more kind of like plain and boring ones. But even so, like it has all those divots in the road that you're always kind of swerving between to get those jump boosts. And like, that's, that's an interesting idea. That's really cool. They did a, they did a good job of like creating a different type of challenge than you would experience on all of the other courses. And the Bowser's castle with the giant statue that punches the ground that creates the ripples that you can get jump boosts off of while you're trying to avoid being punched in the head by this giant statue like so many like really brilliant ideas have gone into this and I, I love it as a kind of an expression of these ideas for me like the graphics um and the art I, I do really like them like the the way they completely transform the n64 stages to the point where you can't even yeah. actually compare them like yeah. so they, they're just they're a whole new track like rainbow road isn't like a 12 minute endurance race anymore it's like a little kind of two and a half minute rally trip yeah. from a to b it's brilliant yeah they've done a, yeah they've, they've taken always... the essence of a lot of the legacy tracks and uh remade them but really sin severely re-edited them and and uh added bits taken bits away and and rejigged them to to make them all more fun like i i'm sure other people are different than this P people who are kind of m more serious into mario kart than i am but um but i i'm very happy whenever i play online sessions to go random because i'm genuinely happy to play mm -hmm. on any one of the tracks that's in the game uh there's no track that i absolutely hate there's a few that i really love uh, mainly ones that have come back from previous games like yoshi circuit and stuff like that but uh but actually I, i'm always just happy to be surprised because there's there's at least some there's at least uh, something about or one section of 
every track that that I really enjoy, and I like hearing all the different music which we'll come on to. On the subject of the music, I think it's always been a big part of the Mario Kart series. Plenty of people have strong associations of uh, of playing these tracks. It was never an option to turn it off. Literally, uh, in in previous instalments, every circuit was accompanied by its own theme. Pretty much, some were shared. I I, I accept. But I think more than ever, Nintendo leaned into that in this game by literally getting the band not back together, but together mm. uh, and uh, and really focusing on real instruments. Uh, everything sounds like a um, an actual, pretty much everything, I think, sounds like an actual band playing uh, whether, yeah, whatever genre is appropriate, often a bit of jazz funk, mm. uh, but we can very easily hear the saxophones and the violins and the actual bassist and uh, and all that and um i mean i th- yeah i think from the from the moment the title screen kicks in it's uh, it's one of the highlights of the of the package for me yeah and i think it's arguably my favorite of the entire series like if you go onto youtube and type in mario kart 8 big band and there's like a promotional video of them just playing mm. the tracks in front yeah. of you it's it's something else it's like the coolest yeah. people ever just playing some amazing instruments and it's just yeah it it completes the package for me in terms of presentation like for me mario kart 8 and deluxe is is just a tour de force in presentation and how much if you if you lean into it how much it can just completely elevate a series from you know from good to great and these kind of live action uh sorry live music interpretations of video game tunes kind of were tradition more traditionally other than in Japan where you would get live concerts and Zentata gigs and things like that. It was more the preserve of the fan scene on OC Remix and YouTube. And uh, Ryan, you featured uh, several acts on, mm-hmm. on our old Sound of Play podcast, uh, people playing, um, you know, loads of Nintendo classics and other, other, other software houses as well on their, uh, as a group with their, with their real instruments. But here it is kind of absorbed into the, 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 the AAA gaming space. The music in Mario Kart 8 is phenomenal, like pretty much across the board. Like, in my opinion, like music in Mario Kart has been a little bit hit or miss over the years. Like, I I think that the uh, on the N64 version, there were some nice tracks that were kind of held back by the like sound fonts that they had to work with back then. And I I felt like it was a little bit of Stockholm syndrome chip uh, when it came to you know hearing some of those tracks over and over and over again and uh and they weren't all bangers in my opinion but like on mario kart 8 there's really impeccable musicianship that's going on and i love that they've released those behind the scenes videos of um Mm. of the the teams actually playing the instruments and being in studio together and looking like they're having like a really fun time performing it which you can really tell really comes through in the final recordings and um you know the fact that uh over the years you know we got really good at um adaptive and reactive music for a while because yeah. uh you know back in the n64 era you think about banjo kazooie and donkey kong 64 and games like that because when everything was midi it was really easy to um to kind of drop in and drop out instruments and create these kind of on the fly remixes that would kind of blend into each other so that you know when banjo dove underwater then the music would change but it became more difficult during the kind of generations following as we've uh as we've kind of trended towards more kind of live orchestras and stuff like that in Mm -hmm. video gaming as a whole 
And I'll say that, you know, the the challenge that this team undertook of being essentially like kind of live chamber music that is, you know, being recorded and performed together, but is still like surprisingly reactive to what's happening on screen. And, you know, a lot of that is because racing games are like somewhat predictable in their structure like it's not like an open world game where you could literally go anywhere and do anything at any time like you are moving forward at a somewhat predictable pace and so they're able to kind of anticipate how where people are going to be in the course at various points in time and they use that the really kind of like great dramatic effect especially on the uh wario's mountain downhill rally race which is just brilliant piece of music there as well that is uh you know with there's been a kind of a behind the scenes video about how every like piece of that music is kind of reactive to what's happening on screen at you know where you should be in the race at that time and how it all kind of blends together and and evokes the feeling of each of its um each of that course's legs really really well uh so you know there's the uh the electronica one that kind of phases in and out mm, depending yeah. on which surface you're driving the on electrodome like that. that's a good one that's it and yeah. you know you've got the the courses from previous where you're on the piano and you, you this is more sound design i guess but you know the mute the the keyboard and the piano noises do kind of play into the music and you've got the big Definitely, giant musical yeah. notes bouncing up and down and the, the cymbals and that yeah they've done a really good job in piecing it all together and <clears throat> you know revamping old tracks with new sounds is always interesting like um like for me like the n64 stuff hearing it in in a new style is just completely yeah it's it's kind of and the f-zero track as a jazz Mm. you know chamber music type of uh recording so fun (laughs) just like just kicks ass all the way through yeah talking about the the sound design uh, uh, there's i don't know how much there is to say beyond what was true of the the wii version mm. i think maybe this one is a bit less uh cacophonous like it, it perhaps it's a bit more sophisticated it's easier to pick one sound apart from another um my only disappointment really and and i guess this is is partly it's sort of historical nintendo thing um to not really support true surround sound certainly not mm. digital surround sound and i think that would really add a lot to this game to have a, fi- a proper 5.1 or 7.1 yeah. you mix. could hear a blue shell swirling yeah. behind you and dropping in front of you that would be nice that would be yeah nice. uh obviously most people will be playing with headphones if not through a you know tv speakers i'm sure of those 40 odd million units sold i suspect 39 million of them are playing on a maybe on a uh, I, uh... in a stereo setup but mm. It would be nice, wouldn't it? I had a brief encounter with this, with the VR Mario Kart they did down in London, where you could, um, I think I spoke about it on another Mario Kart podcast, in being, Mm. it was like a gigantic version of Mario Kart in your face. And the the audio there did have some sort of 3D-ness to it all. I I remember there being like bullet bills whizzing past and it being fascinating. It wasn't really a Mario Kart game to play. It was more of an experience. Um, We've had ProLogic mixes, haven't we, which are pseudo surround. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if this game even supports that. Uh, it, yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't swear to it, but it's certainly not as kind of yeah full on immersion as I'd like mm. it to be. The audio, but overall, yeah, the the sound like you know, um, I, I, yeah, I don't know what to say. It it all it all works it all in works, the yeah. traditional ways, and the jingles make you feel a certain way, and the the screeching of the tires and the buzzing of the engines. Yeah, 
do their job. Must admit, the I, I, I do miss the like when you used to launch a banana on the older games. You'd have like a more of a prominent boo noise or the the shells mm. pinging off the walls. And you don't really hear that in this kind of game as much. Yeah. I, I guess the the audio the, or the sound design has been turned more realistic rather than more cartoony in the previous ones. To use, yeah. you know, to use bad phrasing of words, but yeah, like, I, I think, think that the you. sound effects on most things <clears throat> in the Mario Kart Eight are a bit more on the side of realism than probably mm-hmm. what I'd like. Alex 79 is a dissenting voice on this one. He says, I don't like Mario Kart 8. I can't really put my finger on what it is, but I just don't enjoy playing it. I've been a fan of the series since day one, loved the SNES original back in the day and have enjoyed most of the other versions of the game, but something just stops me from getting into this one. Honestly, I can't tell you why. The game looks better than it ever has. There's an incredibly comprehensive collection of tracks and characters and I can't actually find fault with the game. I just don't like it. I recently joined in with an evening of online play with some folks from the forum, and that was fun because playing online with people you know will always be a laugh. But other than that, it's just not for me, and I wish it was. There you go. Every game is divisive. I I wonder Uh, if that has anything to do with, like, there's a certain kind of lack of stickiness of this game, in my opinion. I I think it doesn't do a good job of kind of giving you, like, single-player incentives to keep you moving forward you know there's no mm-hmm. hub there's no kind of story mode that drives you forward the, and, and then as far as like a yeah presentation and reward structure it's extremely mm. minimal you know it drops you into yeah, very, very so. bare bones menus without a lot of other stuff to kind of like explore or unlock as you go and then even the unlock system is uh really strange like it, it it's via an accumulation of coins that you collect via the course of racing and it's not reactive to you racing well it will happen how much you play effectively uh, without ever playing well or anything like that as long as you're driving through coins eventually you'll unlock everything yeah but i mean other than like unlocking just little pictures of trophies that you know sit underneath the the courses like there's not a lot that Mm. it gives you incentive to continue to like experiment and unlock if you're driven by those kind of external rewards along the way yeah well i've always been uh motivated enough by the just simply having all the trophies on Mm -hmm. my save file and uh and the game definitely has done that for me to the point that as i say i'm now doing it on I've, i've already done it on the three different ccs for the dlc tracks and now i've done it on mirror mode and i'll probably do it on 200 cc as well even though i don't really like 200 cc but it is that is literally it is just to have the gold trophy on your on your save file, which is kind of pure to the series in a way, because back in in on, on Mario Kart 64 and, and Super Mario Kart, really, it was just about saying that you've done it. There was the, the, the thing that is missing for me, and this is true of the multiplayer as well. This is the first game that doesn't have any kind of celebration when you win a trophy beyond a, an admittedly nicely drawn trophy. Uh, a shiny looking trophy on the screen but there's no drive by there's no amusing fish there's no little vignette involving the characters uh so i think it it loses marks for personality for me even just seeing in the in the way that we used to complete a fighting game with all the different characters mm, to see yeah. the endings whether it was street fighter or tekken just something like that even just a short fmv clip or 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 a yeah specifically rendered cutscene um perhaps their research showed that not enough people were interested in that but it would have it would have uh, you know i i love this game anyway but it would have 
added a little bit of single player value just to have something as you say in there to to make the the single player more worth playing through yeah. than just as you say pictures of trophies and star ratings unlockable costumes or something you know something small mm. just give us like a little little nuggets along they the way you buy amiibo for that yeah <laughs> of course <laughs> Fair. yeah yeah and i suppose the main new thing to talk about we've already brushed against it but uh the new thing in this version obviously it carries forward the, the underwater and the floating from seven uh the sort of hang glider sections although i've I've seen some complaints from higher tier players that the hang gliders are less maneuverable than they were in uh, in the previous hmm. uh iteration but um they, they they do for me they have that nice floaty feel but it's the anti-grav so yeah. the fact that uh tracks go upside down and vertically and, and side to side. Now, my thing about this is I don't really notice it when I'm playing no, <laughs> like, I, because you're always because your, your camera doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So occasionally I go, oh, I'm driving up a, th- up a thing. Up or, a waterfall, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really hard to but, gauge, isn't it, in terms of... But most of the time it, it's basically meaningless. Yeah. Yeah. You, you kind of wish they'd put like a first person mode in there for you to feel it more, but that would have been really disorientating. Yeah. Mm. And you only notice it in the replays. And, yes. and when the camera's panning around at the start, it's like, oh, that's what that course should look like. But because yeah. you've seen it from one perspective only, you don't really feel the full effect. But, you know, I, I don't know how you get around that without completely just mangling the, the Making it unplayable, series. yeah. yeah that's it. But, you know, yeah. the anti-grav also comes with the, you say, brushing past a minute ago. You, when you do brush mm. past other players, you get a little boost and they do like a little yes. twirly dance. And, that's and those nice. little bumpers yeah, that you can yeah. bounce off. How does that work, actually? Because I've never really been super clear. Like, if if two players collide, do they both get the boost? Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah. yeah, great. So you can sort of almost kind of help each other in those situations yeah, okay. versus the rest of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it slightly changes the physics. You're a little bit kind of driftier, but uh, yeah, it, yeah, it allows them to do some creative things with the track. I just kind of wish they showed it off a little bit better. Yeah, yeah that's it. It's cool. Don't get me wrong, but it's also a bit peripheral in, in the new modern days of photo modes. Like it's just ripe for it, isn't it? Like if you could on the DX version, just press start and go to a photo mode and single player and just take a picture of mm, yeah. you know, all the Mario characters flying upside down and stuff. Yeah. It's a bit of a missed opportunity, but I don't know how you really solve that problem. No. And I remember, th- and I know this is partly just to do with 30 years of experience and exposure, but I remember the first time going over the crest of a hill in something like uh, Outrun in the mid 80s or or even Lotus on the Amiga in the early 90s uh, and certainly Wipeout in the mid 90s, getting a sense of height, verticality, even vertigo kind of going over the peaks of, of things. And I don't really get that from Mario Kart, so, but I'm not sure if that's the, the, the nature of the presentation or whether it's just I'm completely immune to it through a lot of exposure. It's hard to say. I, I had a thread on Twitter like a month or two back about there are certain games that make my stomach drop whenever I, you know, drop yeah. from a high place. You know, Monster Hunter World always yes. does that to me and oh, grow really? home. Huh. And but there's like certain games huh. that are aesthetically very similar that just don't do it to me mm. at all. And I I hmm. I still can't put my finger on why it is it's not even the sense of peril because monster hunter doesn't have fall damage so i'm not no, going right, to right. die when i get to the bottom it's just uh hmm. something about it and so i i'm sure it must be a similar thing but you know i don't think that you're desensitized i think there are just some games that do it and some games that don't yeah because that would be something right if you got if they did something with the camera even if it was just brief or uh, with the viewpoint or something just to to 
remind you that you're either going upside down or vertical or something yeah. like that. But but I guess they they maybe they felt that the the kind of the more serious scene it would have affected the the actual you know purity of the racing kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much they sort of consider the um the the hardcore Mario Kartists when they when they put these games together. Not that much, I wouldn't have thought, based on their attitude to Smash. <laughs> but uh, uh, Rob Smith from our Patreon says, I really dislike the anti-gravity stuff. I just want pure kart racing. Looking forward to all the extra tracks they're putting out, though. Don't mind the quality. Just nice to have new tracks. <laughs> I mean, if they were all rubbish, that would be a shame, I think. Um, I can't. I can't really vibe with disliking the anti-gravity stuff either because it's like it's just there it's, yeah, it's it just doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't really affect anything I, I guess you can probably see the argument that you didn't dislike it because it doesn't completely dramatically change the mm. game in any way like it just it's just another mario kart really unless you look at it from a different angle which you obviously don't Literally. most of the time mm-hmm. tim also from our patreon says i generally enjoy mario kart 8 but to me it feels less like a racing game and more like i'm on a roller coaster <laughs> Just what I've been missing by the sounds of it. Every track, says Tim, seems to want to do underwater bits and loop-de-loops and gliding sections and the actual racing takes a back seat. Maybe it's just me being old-fashioned, but it gets it just gets a bit too flashy for its own good sometimes. I sort of know what Tim's getting at there. Maybe uh, I, I've been really since the, the GameCube game a little bit anti the more gimmicky tracks, particularly the ones that... Um, uh, the ones that just like fire you out of a cannon and you spend like two or three seconds doing absolutely nothing. Like I've never been very keen on those, at least with the hang gliding sections, you do have mm-hmm. the ability to uh, decide when you hit the kind of hit the ground again. And some of them actually ask you to uh, like one of the the new DLC tracks, the the Ninja house, or whatever it is, uh, you can actually get higher and higher onto the circuit yeah. by a kind of pilot wings in your way up there. I understand what people mean when they say it's not like a real quote unquote racing game because it is a little bit more Mm. kind of Mario Party in that like you can do really well and you can strategize and you can, but ultimately like you are going to have you know borderline perfect runs that are just ruined by bad luck of you know the people behind you getting the right item. Except it's not RNG because it's because it's deliberately weighted as such as it has always been. Like that's always been the point of Mario Kart. And as we've discussed, I think, on many of these podcasts previously, all that said, when we have those online sessions, there's nearly always one or two players who win every race. So it is possible to get properly good and mitigate against all uh, setbacks somehow. And uh, and just, you, you know, you're just so much faster than everyone else that even if you get pummeled with shells, you will still come out on top 99% of the time. But. You're right, Ryan. That said, there have been races where even we've had those long online sessions where there's been one or two players who are demonstrably better mm-hmm. than everybody else. That's They've fair. got the best yeah. setup. They they can they can snake through every track and they know every shortcut and they can execute them every time. But there'll be one race. There'll be one race that I'll win or somebody else who was losing the whole time will win because that person just yeah, was just completely unlucky and you started off at the back and got everything that you needed to get you to the front. Yeah, it's it's not a it's not a game for purists. It never has been really, unless you play with all items off. Is that an option? I don't know if it is actually, unless you're doing the time trials. 
But yeah, you can mm. you can play with no items. Absolutely. Okay. Right. Great. Right. Yeah. I think from like a single player progression type of perspective, this the, the feeling of like getting towards the end of a four race cup that you've been cruising mm. through and and doing your best through the entire time and kind of dedicating that time and mental attention towards, and then just getting in like eighth place on the fourth race because mm. of something that doesn't feel oh, yeah. like it's your fault at all is a little <laughs> bit frustrating oh yeah. that is the mario kart experience yeah surprising yeah. like in this new day of assists and accessibility they haven't incorporated the rewind feature from maybe other driving games mm. that have done that oh for you, the single player game yeah, yeah you could probably like you know a, a younger player who found it frustrating yeah. to do as ryan just described just to press a button and rewind it is that a, I think that would be a nice touch if they added that to a future Mario Kart game. I think the items <laughs> themselves are a little bit of a mixed bag as far as like how fair they feel. You know, like I, I really, mm. I really, really love and I've loved ever since the N64 game, the green shells, because they're such like a, uh, they're such a, like a specific straight shot and, you know, kind of lining up your shot while you're in motion, while your opponent's in motion. It feels like yeah. uh you know, those TIE Skill. Fighter X-Wing battles of kind of lining up the scopes right. just right. And you feel great once you once you get one of those. But uh, like red shells, on the other hand, it's like if you see one of those locking onto you, unless mm. you have a very specific type of item, like there's just nothing you can do about it. You just kind of have to wait so and much. let it happen. And that doesn't feel great. Yeah. But, uh, you know, green shells, when they're bouncing around from wall to wall and you're kind of calculating trajectory or even the banana peels as you are strategically thinking about like difficult places to avoid as you're drifting around corners and knowing like the the points of heaviest concentration like there's so many of those items like i think are really fun and are really fun to both use and to react to even stuff like the bullet bill or the piranha plant like i'm okay with those but uh just a few of those items that are a little bit more kind of automatic just seem uh I don't have fun using them and I don't really have fun reacting to them either. I think, uh, yeah, so I watched uh, at least uh, one video of uh, a kind of yeah Mario Kart 8 hate, although actually I watched it to the end and by the end, although I thought it was a fairly obnoxious video and there was a lot of opinions stated as facts, um, by the end it was like, I'm not actually sure, but this might be my favourite Mario Kart. <laughs> but it's like after spending 25 minutes kind of uh, tearing it apart, but some of the sort of the common complaints seem to be among among the, you know, the kind of the more the people who take Mario Kart a bit more seriously than I do, as much as I've been playing it for 30 years or whatever. Um, the, the the tracks are a bit wide because they have to be because there's uh, 12 mm -hmm. races or whatever. And so things like bananas are pretty useless. But to sort of compensate for this, they've made every uh, item like physically very large compared to previous games mm -hmm. they've made red shells almost unstoppable whereas in previous games they were they were quite a lot more fallible in terms of they would fall off the track or bump into you know get stopped by corners or pl mm -hmm. skillful players could outmaneuver them um there's suspicions that the the green shells actually kind of uh, almost home in when they're near you when if they're bouncing across the track uh, but it might just be that they're very large. Um, I can't remember all the, the you know, the, this is all the kind of stuff that you'd, you'd expect a, a fan of a series to kind of pick apart when a new game comes out. Uh, and it's interesting from my perspective as somebody who essentially with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, I don't really feel the need, although I go back for nostalgia purposes, I don't feel the need to have any other Mario Karts on the go in my life anymore because it kind of ticks all the boxes. 
not to say that there couldn't be an improvement upon it but um but it's interesting to see that when when the Wii version came out and we we covered that uh that's the one that I, I thought that was like the most kind of soft core game in the series. And it was the most Wii accessible, friendly, family fun. Turns out that's the one that the scene is absolutely <laughs> obsessed with to this day. And um, and rather in the way that um, Smash Ultimate doesn't do it for, for a lot of Smash fans, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is uh, makes they made Nintendo made some choices, design uh, considerations, which... Um, serve perhaps serve the the mass market more than they serve the serious player and from an item's perspective as well i'm I'm not sure that they've really nailed just what to do with coins yet and for something that's mm-hmm. such like a common uh thing on all the courses that feels really important uh, because you know they're always kind of like a little bit out of the way that encourage you to like do i make a tighter turn or do i take a wider turn and collect some coins they don't really do a good job of like explaining or demonstrating how they benefit you um you know i'm still like my favorite implementation you need 10 yeah I, I mean ostensibly though but like how big of a difference like they don't really do a good job of like communicating how big of a difference that makes and why you should be going out of your way like my favorite implementation of this type of thing is uh in crash team racing where you had these kind of wampa, wampa fruits that are all around the course. And if you collect 10 of them, then every item that you pick up is kind of instead of the base item is a more advanced version of Powered that up. item. Right. And like that is something yeah. that like immediately as a player, you're like, oh, I get exactly what's happening here. I get the uh, I get the benefit. If I lose a couple wampa fruits, then I know that I want to go out of mm. my way to collect a couple more. Whereas in Mario Kart, it's kind right. of like... It feels like a bit of a question mark and for a game that's supposed to be very kind of uh entry accessible for new players like that should have been something that they make pretty obvious i'd see it kind of from a different angle though like the lack of information isn't missing i think it's just kind of nintendo wanted you to kind of su- kind of suss it out yourself like the, the coins do boost you a little bit as much as the you know the drifting boost does but i think if they just told you every bit of information about how the game worked I think, like, you know, a lot of the, the, the target audience would be like, I don't really care. I just want to just race around tracks really fast. I, I don't think it's, from my point of view, I don't, I don't think it's that kind of game that really would benefit from, you know, like a like a, an index of information for people to leave through and understand. Like, yeah. you know, maybe I, not I a tutorial, are... but like, even if there was a little bit of fire coming out of the tailpipes as soon as you hit 10 stars. Oh, there is. And... Oh, no, oh, it's the coins. Every time you pick a coin up, yeah, there's a little exhaust kind of pop. It does it does that thing. Yeah, I mean, like, it it's like a does, permanent yeah. effect, though, to where like it, it feels like you are moving faster or it feels better once you have all 10 coins. Mm. I don't know. To me, maybe, maybe I'm s- missing some details, yeah. but uh, it just feels a little invisible to me. I know what you mean. It's just got that little indicator in the bottom left, which shows you your coin number. Mm-hmm. I I always assume that it's worth having as many as possible up to the up to the ten. So I always try to make sure I have got the ten, and if I lose some, I'll try to mm-hmm. get them back as quickly as possible. I don't recall. I, I'm sure somebody's done a table out there. I'm, I'm looking at the Mario Kart Eight wiki now, in case it's in there. But I think it is literally a case that each coin adds like one or two kph to your speed and so once you have 10 it'll be whatever that is um i think each one does add something and i think having 10 tops that out uh but of course the argument is that actually if you're going if you're going that much faster you can then end up at the front and then you're the target for everyone else and you might be better off 
actually sitting back in the middle of the pack, getting better power ups and overtaking towards the end. Um, but uh, Darren, do you make sure you've got ten coins as much as possible? No, That's how I play. No, like uh, no. My attitude towards Mario Kart nowadays is just to have fun, and my version of fun isn't to min max every. Possibly, you know, I do boost off every kind of jump and thing, but that's yeah. just out of reflex and just habit. But the right. the, the ten coins thing, I don't mm. I pay it no mind at all. It's uh, I would say my coin collecting is a reflex or a habit as much as tricking mm. off ramps. To be honest, yeah, I think I've just kind of because previous Mario it makes Kart a games, nice noise. It does make a nice noise, mm-hmm. uh, but the previous <laughs> Mario Kart games have wound me up because I've taken the details a bit too seriously for what yeah, the game is, sure. and therefore I've enjoyed the game less. So in Mario Kart Eight and DX, I've just kind of taking it easier i guess uh, any sort of um I, I guess none of us takes it that seriously that we are absolutely locked into a uh it's in terms of min maxing like uh, i was looking at the world records and there are certain vehicle combos uh vehicle wheel setups that seem to uh be slightly more favored but it's not it's not like there's just one i think um was it when we were talking about the Wii game? There was it was just funky on that particular bike, mm. which was just like holds all the world records. Mm-hmm. In this one, it seems to be a bit more spread out. But um, I generally play as Toad because it's just who I've been playing for since well since the sixty four game came out, and I love Toad. Um, and I like driving a cart because I prefer it to driving a bike. That's that's, that's yeah. my setup. Yeah, mine's uh, the, the pipe go kart. My me right. character in a costume. And yes. just plain and simple, really. <clears throat> yeah. Basically, that Nintendo GameCube de- uh, tech demo they did of Mario and Luigi in the go-karts yeah. is what I've kind of been aspiring to out of the series ever since. You know, they can have all these kind of unicorns and horse-drawn carriages and <laughs> little go-karts that are kind of toy-flavoured. But for me, it's all about the pipe carts. My favourites are the uh, the real-world car, like, partnership advertisement partnership mercedes <laughs> because it's just <laughs> so funny not. to see like waluigi sticking his big stupid head out of one of those <laughs> things i really enjoy those <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah that that always felt a little uh tacky to me that mercedes tie-in very yeah but uh, i love very it very weird <laughs> very unlike anything else that they've ever done as far as i could remember just yeah just a, yeah just a, a real life mercedes in a mario kart game like yeah it, it's it's been out there for so long that i've just kind of just accepted it as as you know as as truth what but i do yeah, is i, I um, play as but, metal mario in one of those and then i pretend like i'm a little monopoly piece ro- rolling around that's excellent yeah yeah i can see that uh same we we, we talked about the uh the little decals you could create on the ds back in 2005 Sadly, nothing like that has ever returned. Mm-hmm. You can unlock costumes with your amiibos and whatever else, but I would love a little uh, the ability to draw a little logo on my cart and stuff like that from the yeah. from the switch. But there you go, <laughs> not allowed. Uh, Rager from our forum says MK8DX is one of the few games my girlfriend will play thanks to the excellent assist options. We have an online Mario Kart couples night every Sunday with some friends and family members, and it's a riot. Playing with some of the Kane and Rince crew and community these last few months has been just as fun. Essentially, it's Mario Kart Ultimate, a perfect encapsulation of the series so far, with impeccable handling and a greatest hits of track selection. I've genuinely no idea where they go from here. The only way they could make this game even better is to add a Diddy Kong racing-style single-player adventure mode with a hub world, 
and all the trimmings. I mean, I agree. Uh, I'm, I, it sounds very much like you'd be up for that as well, Ryan. I, yeah. I suspect you would yeah, too, Darren. Cool. Mm, yeah, uh, absolutely. Because, uh, yes, obviously we had uh, Crash Team Racing, uh, the, the remake, which, uh, which, which certainly ticks some of those boxes. My main issue with that is it's cool and technically great, but I really don't like those characters. I've just never liked the Crash characters or world. So it doesn't have any real charm for me. Um, Diddy Kong Racing, I have hugely fond memories of. Check out our Diddy Kong Racing podcast. So, yeah, it's always been a dream that really since 1997, after that game came out. And uh, so the multiplayer famously was was a disappointment, I think, for many. But the single player was this absolutely magical and incredibly challenging quest. Uh, and it would just seem to make so much sense for a Mario Kart to to offer that up. But obviously, mm. I suppose they think, well, we sold 50 million plus units of this game without one. So why would we spend all that time and resource making a single player adventure? Because we're probably not going to sell any more units off the back of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's probably the reason, right? It's a shame. But hmm. It's just they could probably do a little bit better than just the the bare bones menus that they have. But uh, I don't know if it needs to be a full blown adventure mode, but uh, something in between has to be feasible. Mm. I find myself, given the way this game has gone since 2014 and where we are now, awaiting another year and a half's worth of DLC courses to be uh, to be released in 2022 to 2023. I do find myself thinking, as I did with Street Fighter, and this hasn't happened with Street Fighter, that they should just release the next one and call it Street Fighter, which they aren't doing. As I say, they're calling it Street Fighter 6. With the next Mario Kart, they should just call it Mario Kart and, and it becomes a platform. It becomes almost like, a you know, you, you buy it. It's not, a, it's not a free to play with advertising and microtransactions, but it's, a, it's an ongoing thing that evolves uh, rather than starting again from scratch. I don't know. I, I'm always a, against that kind of thing, just because from a historical perspective, you have to start saying like Mortal Kombat 20 or 2009 versus Mortal Kombat 19. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, but okay, I'll, yeah. I'll give you this one because there has never been a game called Mario Kart before. So True. I think it's all right. <laughs> you know what? They could call it Mario Kart's plural. <laughs> and then Just and then all the people it, who yeah. call it that they'd, they'd finally be right mm. and sega while we're at it should release uh, alex the kid <laughs> <laughs> so according to the wiki the course maps in this game show all the shortcuts on them if any in the course this means that if there are no shortcuts uh they are truly hidden uh sorry there are no shortcuts that are truly hidden in this game that does seem a shame to me there's nothing um you know i really associate classic era nintendo whatever that is i mean arguably we're still in it but thinking about uh nostalgic nintendo and the sense of magic and discovery of finding like uh you know a cave in a zelda game mm -hmm. or a, a a secret in a in a mario game but also in mario kart 64 realizing that you could drive up that thin ramp and jump through the hole in the cave and come out the other side of the course all that stuff there's there are a few little bits and bobs in this like that um but yes they're not they're not secrets for you to find they're a bit more they're a bit more obvious and signposted that said i think there are probably some that i never even use so 
That's the thing. The game moves so fast, especially on 150cc mm. and 200, yeah. which I find to be a bit ridiculous. But um, yes. I'd rather have them signposted than not, especially in a in a competitive environment where it feels like those who win are the only ones who know mm. where they are. So if they are available to everyone at all times, then there's no room for an argument, if you know what I mean. Like, I can enough. see it from a different angle. Mm. There's always oh, speedrun yeah, like glitches, so you know, have fun with those. Yeah, I haven't. I admit, I haven't looked in as much as I did with some of the other games uh, that we've covered into the scene around this and uh, the the kind of the world record scene. Um, looking at the times, I think there are fewer, uh, probably fewer glitches and glitchables than there have been in history. Mm. Uh, there's those really interesting uh, videos uh, by Summoning Salt on YouTube talking about the insane degrees to which various players have, have worked against each other to to break previous records on on legacy Mario Kart titles and and I don't, obviously there is a scene there's plenty of uh, there's records up there and they're still being broken some of these records have been added in uh, in the last few months and as i say uh, you've got various uh, options of of character and vehicle there doesn't appear to be one single choice uh, which is cool um, but I don't know if it's, as I say, I, I feel like the Wii version is the one that's ended up being the kind of the the home of the hardcore. Mm-hmm. This is the first game, as I said earlier, according to the wiki, not to have an award ceremony after a Grand Prix, which I knocked 25% off its final score. For. <laughs> I don't, I don't really, not that much. Mr. Ixalite from the forum says, seeing the game on this year's Cane and Rinse docket, finding a cheap used copy made me finally take the plunge this year. My first Mario Kart since the DS. Tearing through the 100cc mode, I was a bit underwhelmed at first by a fair few of the courses, which seemed too wide and accommodating. And a quick reorientation of the camera meant that the novelty of many of the anti-gravity segments dissipated quickly. And I was surprised that many of the shortcuts were gated exclusively behind turbo pickups, rather than skill, and that some levels had no real shortcuts at all. Also a surprise was the fact that rather than just making for fun visual expression, your choice of character and vehicle mattered a great deal in terms of your performance. On the one hand, this provided an extra layer of strategy, but on the other, it eventually stopped me from having fun with mixing and matching the colourful characters and vehicle parts in favour of sticking with a proven Waluigi template. All these things might be a matter of course to a, to seasoned Mario Kart players, but to me they were slightly baffling. Another thing I didn't know was that Mario Kart's difficulty settings determine speed rather than enemy AI, and cranking things up to 150cc and beyond made the tracks and their layouts come into their own with considerably more teeth. My quest for the triple gold star rankings means that the game isn't wanting for challenge, but after a while it got repetitive going through the same cups traversing the same tracks in the same way, especially due to the aforementioned gating of many of the shortcuts. I couldn't help but wish there were some other modes here that recontextualized the tracks and let you engage with them in a different manner. I'd trade all the new DLC courses for a Mario Kart DS-style mission mode. I realised that for many it might be the antithesis to the whole point of Mario Kart to complain about single-player content, as someone who's not invested in a Switch Online subscription, nor any one of his skill to play with locally, these are me problems, and I can't fault Mario Kart 8 for not being more Crash Team Racing, which is probably what I honestly hope for. Mario Kart 8 is a fun time, just not one that's stuck with me as long as I would have wanted. Uh, sounds some like he has some. Uh, sounds like they have some similar issues to you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's worth saying, uh, uh, Mr. Ixalite saying there that this was the first since the DS. I mean, that game also had the uh, the kind of the stats, the underlying um, character and, and uh, vehicle combo stats. In fact, that was the first one, I think, that allowed you to mix and match in that way. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not co- quite new to this one. I think Double Dash yeah, it is quite a consideration as well, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the second one, in fact. And also worth saying, yeah, it's always been the case uh, with Mario Kart, I think every game in the series, that, yeah, actually 50cc, 100cc and 150cc, it's really those are the difficulty levels. The AI gets more and more brutal on each one as well as the, as well as the racing getting harder. What I would say is that this game is, uh, I would say, from my experience, pretty easy even on the 150cc to get the the gold trophy. Maybe not to always get the three stars, uh, but I've seen other complaints that for players better than me, it is too easy to get the three stars on every gold trophy and then you're done. That's your game, your single player game finished. Unless time trials, of course. We mentioned the unlocks briefly. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure there's anything else to say. You collect coins, you unlocked, you unlock extra bits of wheels and frames. Uh, and I think on the deluxe version, all the characters are unlocked from the start anyway. So uh, all you can really do then is uh, buy Amiibo and <laughs> unlock costumes with them. You you can unlock gold Mario, but I think that's the only. And then I don't know, maybe the other colors of oh, Yoshi's yeah. and Shy Guys, but I'm not sure about that. Oh yeah, that's right. So that's an, yeah. The 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 roster is huge. Uh, we should say, and yes, you can play any of the Cooper Kids or multiple colored Yoshi's and Shy Guys, which is you know, it's I really like all that, even uh, as simple as it is for them to implement. Toon Scottoon from our forum says, not since Tetris was packaged with the Game Boy can I think of a time where a game has been so blissfully wedded to a piece of hardware the way that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is partnered with the Nintendo Switch. Sure, there were times when Mario Kart and other hardware devices seemed like the appropriate matrimonial match. Those wild years with the N64 that brought so many players to the game. The almost right engagement with the Wii Wheel that made the software approachable to anyone who'd at least seen a motor vehicle in operation. The Mario Kart DS dalliance that let us know how much we enjoyed playing Mario Kart anywhere and against almost anyone hinted at what this series could become. But it took an iteration on the eighth instalment in this series and those portable, detachable Joy-Cons for Mario Kart to break the bonds of space and time. I know I sound like a Nintendo copywriter, but thanks to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe being on the portable Switch system, I have not only easily hosted races on camping trips, bus tours in classrooms and at the beach, but because of the game's approachability, I've had little trouble luring my non-gamer grandparents, non-gamer parents, non-gamer spouse and barely gamer children into the Nintendo-rific raceways to trade turtle shells and rubber band together across the generations. Yeah, I mean, I think that sums up why even eight and nine, in, well, yeah, particularly nine installments in the Switch version more than any other is so ubiquitous and uh and while obviously not everyone loves the game um of those 50 odd million customers i wonder how many would consider themselves satisfied with their purchase multiplayer is of course really where the the longevity of the game at and as you said darren um i mean i don't know how many sessions you've hosted over the years on across the two versions how many do you reckon i don't know it probably 
nearly 30s maybe it's hard to tell um yeah but even on the switch one alone when i've joined in on suits name it was like it gives you the um the stats of how well you've performed against each other oh yeah and even on the switch one alone which i deem as the game we spent less time on i imagine the wii u one online we've played more just because we have more game nights it was like 150 races like between the two of us so yeah yeah um yeah it's hard to hard to ascertain how much time we put into the switch one without actually looking into the stats and online modes but um yeah man it's yeah the, the multiplayer is stunning like and then the addition of the battle mode uh, i the reveal of it was more impressive than the actual mode itself all right um, i think i've since the snes and n64 days i've definitely skewed towards racing as a predominant form of multiplayer and i think that is down to <clears throat> just how easy it is to play mario kart 8 online on the wii u and the switch like it's just so easy to just pick up and play and get people to join in there's no you know people give nintendo a lot of stick and rightly so for their kind of feeble <laughs> in the online um efforts in some games but i think mario kart 8 is just streamlined enough for it to be simple without it being kind of you know um basic i guess i was gonna say it actually really works very well doesn't it i think uh yes yeah, absolutely you ironically you had a few tech issues last night whether that was the, the game <laughs> or or your end we don't yeah, know don't but know. i've never had a i don't think i've ever had an issue with with the game and I also wonder if uh, I was also playing some Splatoon 2 earlier following the announcement of the release date of the the, the new one. And uh, that game is still very, very populated as well. Right. And that's five years old, too. Hmm. Um, this game, uh, I imagine, although we've been playing mainly with friends, community members, I imagine it's easy to still get a full room of Mario Kart Super Circuit just because there are 50 or 45 million people out there with it or whatever uh but yes it it does just function and i do wonder obviously there's the the much maligned uh mobile app that you can use for voice chat if you wish but i actually wonder and i know there are plenty of examples of games with voice chat that are also have longevity but i wonder if this is a friendly place for those of us who don't like the online space mm, yeah, to to play because like i know ryan i know you're not generally that keen on mm -hmm. online multiplayer but at least with playing this effectively, you can just play. You can play as a it, like a, it's a one player game. You're not interacting with anyone. You've just got an infinite number of different opponents and circumstances and races. So that's where I, I enjoy it is I don't care, re really care about my ranking. It's just race to race to race. And. I don't have to, there's, you know, there's no abuse coming through my TV screen or, or unpleasant language or nasty characters or anything like that. But the game just instantly becomes more interesting with uh, real life human opponents. Yeah, I don't know. For me, it's never really made a difference. But again, like I'm the worst kind of offline player. Like I play fighting games exclusively single player. So like I'm really not in the position to be able to... <laughs> to judge <laughs> i'm just saying you should try it you might have a good time uh yeah. you never know uh do you uh, does that mean you don't as a uh, do you get any fun playing uh can you play coin runners and balloon battle against cpu uh would you <laughs> yeah you know i don't know uh, i i honestly haven't spent much time with those modes before um i i really should go back into them i uh I, I kind of miss the N64 battle modes, and so maybe those will kind of fill that void a little bit. 
Mm. Yeah, I think the battle mode's okay. I, it's never my first port of call, but when it does get selected, it's uh, it's not a bad time. I'm just not that keen on arena-based car games. I've, it just never feels right to me. I'd just much rather be walking. I'd be a, a, a bipedal character, even if I was a robot or something, just not a car. I just mm. find driving a car around an arena quite frustrating. Um, but yeah, this is only the fourth game to feature the bo- uh, balloon battle. I think I oh, actually was 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 one of the one of the modes wasn't in the original release, and one of them was added for deluxe. Well, the one that involves like shines was not in the original Mario Kart Deluxe, and then the uh, oh, the, mm. of course, like the the all the multiplayer battle modes took place on the regular courses uh, on the Wii U version as well. Mm. Uh, okay, so that yeah, so you got eight battle arenas in this one, yeah. Uh, so yeah, comprehensive TT time attack suite if you want it obviously the more courses the better from that point of view and you've got staff ghosts and expert staff ghosts beat one you unlock the next one and yeah if you want to this is where the game is more pure and and i think the um the sort of the the smoothness of the, the handling really comes into its own the fact that you can work out your optimal racing line around every single circuit and uh and try it out with various combinations of uh, character and and cart setup but yes this is uh, I, I guess this is this will always be in the sort of the slightly more niche end of things it's something i've spent some time with but then you look at the times of the the world record holders and you think no i can't really can't really be bothered yeah. but actually that there is that is another single player thing that you can do right mm-hmm. is beat the staff ghosts and the expert staff ghosts yeah. if if you wanna yeah not for me but i appreciate it being there yeah uh, Mario Kart TV came in with this. Um, is it, this is like uh, it's like a a race viewer, is it? I, yeah, I've never really spent you, much you time. Can in favorite, it. You can favorite five of your your um, highlight reels from track. That's yeah, it. Track's gone, but I don't really understand it. It's a nice little menu with loads of me's standing around a big screen TV. But <laughs> I don't know, man. It just reminds me of like the Connect era of like like you could view a video with a bunch of connect avatars in front of it kind of thing and it's just all leading to a lot of nothing do you know what i mean it's a bit kind yeah. of yeah is it i have no idea why they call it mario kart tv for a start it's not like you can pick a channel and watch people race no I don't, I don't understand it and i, I tend not it's, to deal with it's it. it's like it, it makes sense in uh in certain fighting games to have this sort of option uh mm-hmm. the, the the viewer um to you know to see other competitors and techniques and strategies it, it makes less sense in mario kart if you favorite one of your replays, does it save the entire replay or is it just a clip show? Like, no, I think the... it's still just the highlight reel. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, it is strange. <laughs> yeah, me neither. As we say, the original release on the Wii U ended up with uh, three lots of DLC, including that uh, slightly unusual Mercedes Benz <laughs> tie in. And then there was Zelda and Animal Crossing, which seemed to make a lot more sense to most people. Uh, I bought it all. Um, well, yeah, I think it was the Mercedes Benz. I think free, that was free. Free. promotional. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> thanks for that. Um, and it cost I, you a part of your soul. That's what. It's yeah. Like. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. Love. That's good fun. Uh, soul. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and yes, and then we got it all included with uh, the next lot. But of course, yes, the uh, the new tracks are not for free. You either need the Switch Online uh, pack bundle thing. 
and I think it's the more expensive one as well you need, mm-hmm. isn't it? The uh, expansion pass, the, premium, the expansion pack. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or you can buy it. And in fact, we did notice that, um, and I, I suspect this is still true, but you can go online and find a digital code for pretty, yeah, pretty cheap, like 17, 16 quid, yeah, 17 quid, mm-hmm. which for 48 tracks, I think seems pretty good. fair. I'm currently playing it on the, uh, on the expansion online Dubri, but, uh, but I considered buying it anyway as well, just to make sure that I've always got access to it, well, at least until they switch it all off and take it all offline in a couple of years' time. Uh, actually, they won't even be all out in a couple of years' time, will they? So, <laughs> Busker Lily from our forum says, Mario Kart 8 might be my most played game of all time. Single party animal with a flat on the high street, Mario Kart 8 and drinking every Friday night. Moved back in with my parents to save money, Mario Kart 8 online or single player, Getting every perfect cup and every staff ghost. Travelling, bust out the switch in tabletop mode. Staying in touch with friends back home, quick online session. I got to the point where none of my real life friends would play it with me because I was essentially untouchable. My all time best memory of Mario Kart 8 was my final day at my awful supermarket job. I'd made a nice set of friends who were also into Nintendo and we'd had many a night of multiplayer very often with Mario Kart as the headline act. To finally settle it, I made every single one of them face me in a solo tabletop game. No items, no CPU. I beat everyone except my friend Amelia, who uses a bike instead of a cart. After that, I learned the bike. And when I saw her again six months later, the tearful reunion was cut short by my need to prove that I was now the undisputed champ. (laughs) I don't think she's played any multiplayer games with me since. I've been getting back into it recently to mixed results, so it isn't quite like riding a bike. But with more tracks on the way and with it still being unbeaten in its field, I'm sure I'll be back to my old level soon enough. Yeah, even as a nearly 50 year old man, uh, this is still a game that gets, as I say, actually gets bust out for local multiplayer sessions. um, Probably more often than anything else I own, in fact, Uh, as I say, from holiday flights at the airport to sessions with my 12 year old niece to sessions with my 50 year old friend who I've been playing Mario Kart with since we were in our twenties. Um, it works. It just works in, in so many scenarios. And yeah, the, I know it's, it's five years old now and we all know it. M- m- you know, many people have got one, but, um, but actually the, the switch, the design of the switch, the joy cons, it's it's kind of still amazing, isn't it? Still, when you think when you actually think about it, what they did there, mm-hmm. um, magic create created this always you know available proper gaming platform with a serviceable screen, a view you know viewable screen. The fact that me and my mate could sit this was a few years ago, probably twenty eighteen or something, in an airport lounge, just put the screen on its uh, on its slightly in inadequate rocker. Um, and bust off those Joy-Cons and play several rounds of Mario Kart. Just amazing, isn't it? Yep, it is magic indeed. You can't do that with any anything else, really, can you? It is definitely one of a kind, and uh, it kind of uh, exacerbates the, the the family-friendly multiplayer nature of Nintendo games, really. it's uh, Yeah, Mario Kart is probably the, the perfect game for that. Like Smash Bros. Mm. would be a bit hard to see with all the madness going on. Mario Party you could see a good case for, but I think Mario Kart is just the right amount of time that you need to invest in. You can turn it on, turn it off, 
and slide those Joy-Cons on and off just as easy. And uh, yeah, it's a match made in heaven. If I was going to make one criticism of the implementation of this game in one respect, it would be, and I think this has maybe come more to light since the PS5 came out, but the Switch has the so-called HD rumble um, and the game uses it a bit, but I feel like now I've played some stuff with the DualSense, that could be another area that the next Mario Kart could really improve on haptics. Yeah. I feel like it's a bit, uh, it's often a bit light on haptics. There's not a lot of response from the game compared to what they could be in terms of surfaces and boosting and all that stuff. You know, you get the odd little rumble, but I don't find it's anything too, it's, it's nothing that really boosts the immersion in a way that, so, mm. you know, thinking about playing Astrobot or whatever, uh, Astro's Playroom on the PS5, something like that. Must be because of its uh, kind of retrofitting from the Wii U hardware. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I guess so. But I reckon there's definitely a case for some experimentation with, you know, the HD mm-hmm. Rumble as a whole kind of thing has fallen flat for me. And um, mm. yeah, I, I could definitely get, a, after playing like, you know, countless hours of PS5 games that use it really well, like especially like GTA 5, when you roll across a certain texture on the floor and you feel it, you're like, oh, yes. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mario Kart, you're absolutely right, could benefit from that extra level of sensation from yes. whatever they do next with Rumble. Yeah, it's the same that the Switch, they, you know, they kind of gave it the big game with the uh, one-two switch, mm. Ice Cube, or, you know, the ball oh, rolling yeah. thing. Um, but ultimately, it just, yeah, ultimately, it just kind of just fell a bit flat. Shame. Which brings us up to February this year, uh, after I'd put this show in the schedule, as I said earlier, they was uh, that was it. Uh, was it direct? Was it? Was mm-hmm. it yep. Nintendo Direct? They announced That's this right. in February the ninth, and uh, yeah, the deluxe booster course pass. Six waves of eight maps each, starting in March, uh, which has just passed. Forty-eight new courses, all remastered from past Mario Kart games. The entire series, including Tour, not including the Namco Goid Ops, although that would have been quite cool. If they'd found a way to do that, that would have been quite interesting. Um, I love playing the legacy tracks anyway. Uh, and yeah, we would, uh, me and Darren were just messaging, messaging each other when this was announced. But I don't think either, I think it's something we'd sort of joked about as being a potential thing that they could do. But I don't think either of us believed it would actually happen. <laughs> not, not to this degree, like 48. 48 yeah. tracks 48 we just yeah. we kept just messing yeah. each other like 48 tracks <laughs> let, let's say for like crash team racing has been mentioned a lot and that's published by activision you would almost guarantee that would be a full full-on sequel yeah. game you know <laughs> the same mechanics just just 48 new tracks here's yeah. a, here's a 60 quid price tag and you know fair enough nintendo have dragged some of the, the majority of the tracks from the past into the present. Um, but I could still see another company releasing this amount of content for full price. And uh, I think it's very generous. Rather lucky. Mm. I, I do kind of wish that they would, uh, that would give us some character DLC as well, though. Like, yeah, I, I get a lot yeah. of, you know, value out of the characters and then seeing the just absurd characters that they've put into um, the uh, Mario Kart, tour mobile game you know not right. only you know, they get the diddy Such kong as. and and all like 
the fact Ooh. that Diddy Kong still isn't in Mario Kart 8 is a real shame because he has some real racing credentials too, you know? Let's get him back on the True course enough. again. See if uh, between him and yeah, Mario. Right, right. Uh, and then uh, Anyone else you want to see? Well, and then uh, Mario Kart Tour also has a lot of really great kind of like alternate costumes that they bring in for mm. events and stuff like that, which uh, I, I'm just kind of disinclined to join in on a mobile game. Uh, but uh, I, yeah, yeah, I would love to see some of this additional work that's ostensibly already done being kind of like brought over to the uh yeah. the switch version as well just a giant purple pikmin oh, pikmin pikmin course oh my god hmm. uh i i yeah uh, we we have to i don't know if it seems too strong but we have to be hopeful that the next mario kart whatever it's called mario karts plural um is the ultimate smash of Mario Kart games. Not that it will be the last one, as Smash may or may not turn out to be, but in that they could do things with other IPs, with indie IPs, with uh, like the Spirit Board has in particular, and mm, the, the yeah. costumes that they've done on Smash with, with all the famous characters from all around gaming's history and uh, hipster scene and everything. They could do now. I think essentially, once they broke the seal with Animal Crossing and the Mercedes Benz and the, <laughs> and, the and Zelda, you kind of you you can't close that. You you've passed the Rubicon, right? So you can you can do anything. And and they proved it worked in in Smash because Smash is a hit. Yeah, kind of hard to say. I mean, it's you would think so, but then it's Nintendo as well. And then you know, Sonic closed the door. Uh, with its next release so mm. you can go backwards <laughs> that's true yeah i want to go back to playing sonic with the uh, with guest character the football yes. manager from the football <laughs> manager <laughs> uh, and the uh, um the total war shogun uh, but if we could just talk yeah. about the dlc courses that we've had so far uh yeah please i i was really surprised you know i played these the day that they came out i bought the booster pass because yes. it's uh even at full price it's a very modest price for what they're asking uh for what they're going I to be giving so. uh for like 25 dollars, I, I think was the price of it at at um full yeah. price but um i was uh i was surprised because you know going into it um i hadn't ever played mario kart tour before and i always kind of assumed it was like a nope. you know different team that was creating these tracks i don't know if it's going to be up to the same level of quality but i was really impressed by you know obviously all these courses being kind of remastered courses the mario kart tour courses stood out the most to me i thought that the uh tokyo speedway was just brilliant and i i had so much fun with the ninja house one just because it is so devious in its traps and the multiple levels that you can find yourself on and fall down and fall between and it's just like those were so much fun to me and i was uh, excited to get online and see like oh what's everyone else saying about them and then you know i hear the uh, computer game mm. show talk about how uh talk about how like oh those mario kart tour courses they just don't have the same level of like design specificity and it's a little bit easier to kind of get lost and get turned around that's not so clear where you're supposed to be going yeah. which you know i i do appreciate differences of opinions but i was just so uh i was surprised because uh, i thought that for me they were like major home runs and uh I, but i'm pleased of course to hear like different opinions and to hear 
you know, yeah. different content kind of land differently with other people. So I'm curious, like among you two, how did the Mario Kart Tour courses land? Because for me, like they're kind of highlights of the game almost. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess um, I didn't dislike them. I, 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 I'd err on the side of liking them more than not. Mm. I do kind of agree they look a bit blander than a regular Mario Kart 8 track. I, I guess that's just a holdover from the aesthetic from the phone. And uh, oh yeah, I, I thought they were fun. I like the fact that they change per lap. You know, the, the, yeah, the layout yeah. changes and it keeps keeps you on your toes a bit. Um, but nothing really kind of stood out as a major kind of wow factor. Mm. But that's fine. Do you know what I mean? Like not every track has to blow me off my feet for it to be good. It can just be a nice familiar location and, you know, and it do its thing and and it disappear. You know what I mean? It, none of them really blew my mind. That's interesting. That's we'll have to come back and do a... Uh... 44 uh, the other sorry the other 40 tracks <coughs> show in a couple <laughs> of years uh yeah i'm i'm positive uh maybe not as positive as you ryan um probably in a similar area to to darren certainly i i do acknowledge that yes i think the ones that have come over from the mobile game are perhaps a little less visually uh mm. pretty than the others but actually when you're playing i don't think that really matters that much um it's it's more about the the design of the actual the the literal design of the circuit not even the peripheral the scenery i'm talking about the actual course um and from a nostalgia point of view i was very happy to have choco mountain back my only disappointment with that one is that it doesn't look like it's made of chocolate uh, <laughs> no, it, it doesn't looks, it looks more like it's made of rock which uh which yeah. was disappointing i wanted an entirely chocolate mountain with uh with caramel rivers and and whatever else um my niece was super happy to see coconut mall back which i know yeah, is it's a, a great course a bit of a fan favorite um and uh ninja hideaway which weirdly doesn't say that it's from tour in the game although i learned that it is um that's an interesting track it's got three layers uh it's got mm -hmm. a really cool high energy tune and um yeah I'm, I'm i mean i'm very happy i've paid nothing for it because i i had the thing anyway so um, but absolutely, it's uh, I'm very weirdly, I have no specific tracks that uh, from legacy games that I know that I desperately want to come back. Mm -hmm. But I know that every time they announce eight more, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I love that one. So I'm it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm just so happy about the whole uh, the whole idea that they're releasing 48 new tracks for this ancient game. Maybe we'll get a uh, dirty you know, cluttered bedroom track from Home Circuit. <laughs> I know uh, Darren would love anything where you're, it feels like you're a micro machine. Yeah, mm -hmm. like Ribbon Road. Like Ribbon Road. Road, yeah. Bixer is our final long-form correspondent for this podcast from our forum. Says, I'm not surprised Nintendo has taken so long to give us Mario Kart 9 as I'm not really sure how you top this. Despite originally playing it way back in 2014 on the Wii U, I still regularly come back to the deluxe version on Switch for a few online races almost eight years later. I don't think any other game has ever retained my attention for even half that long before, and I'm not sure if another ever will. Goodness me. We also have some reviews in just three words as we round up and round off our Mario Kart podcast series, mm. at least until another one comes out and some time goes by if we're still going then. But for now, Darren. Thomas MB says, greatest hits collection. Alex Hopwood says, purple sparks go. 
Ever Beyond Reach M0DX. Kurt Lewin, perfect plain game. Rawcord says jazz packed joyride. Talc33 says fun for all. R66Y Prometheus says <laughs> decades of refinement. Chris Atwill says what a legacy. And Seth calls back to Luigi's death stare. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and uh, shout out to uh, Rich, friend of the show, uh, who always sends me a Mario Kart gif every time uh, <laughs> Brighton win a match. Yeah. Right, uh, let's try to summarise our feelings on Mario Kart 8 slash Deluxe. Let's start with Ryan. Yeah, it, it, it's a, a pretty stunning collection of courses, uh, really beautifully designed um character animations as we mentioned look terrific the courses themselves have a ton of imagination uh, and not only the courses that were developed just for the game but uh even some of the past courses they've made some really smart changes to to kind of inject some of the anti-grav sections and to you know kind of bring them up to the level of imagination that the original courses were working with so um you know really really strong stuff all around it's in a bit of a uh find your own fun type of package um you know like we mentioned like the uh single player progression structure is kind of at your own discretion and there aren't a lot of breadcrumb breadcrumbs that are kind of helping you along any kind of overall progressive journey um and, and then the presentation of menus basically everything outside of the races is pretty bare bones but ultimately it it has its heart where it counts they put all of their design attention into the races into the music into the characters and um you know it, it, it's the ultimate kind of version of prioritizing what is necessary to make the game great and letting everything else uh, perhaps a little bit uncharacteristically fall a bit flat <laughs> um but that's not to say that uh there isn't a, a ton of fun to be had here obviously this is a, a game that is kind of it's kind of a make it or break it on the multiplayer scene and if you're just going in for a series of races with friends uh, I don't really know what more you could ask from this package. It, it feels like a kind of culmination of Mario Kart to this point and such like a succinct and such a uh, such a perfect kind of distillation of what Mario Kart has been throughout its entire legacy that it kind of prompts me to think that whatever they do next has to go off in a different direction somehow. Uh, and uh, I hope it turns into more of a kind of legacy Sonic and All-Stars Racing transformed kind of look back at Nintendo history, look back at video game history in the same way that, you know, the Super Smash Brothers series has um, become such a loving tribute and a um, just a beautiful mismatch of genres and styles and stuff like that into uh, kind of a museum of Nintendo history and in Smash Brothers' case, more broadly, Japanese gaming history. Uh, I'd love to see kind of a similar thing for Mario Kart going forward, but as it is now, um, while being in pretty much exclusively single-player gamer, this isn't a game that I throw on 
all the time, but um, I, I do enjoy, I've been really enjoying kind of going through the 150cc cups and I'm not great at Mario Kart. And so I am still kind of struggling for my first place wins when I can get them. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it's a very satisfying game. Uh, there's the random elements that I think will keep it from becoming, for me personally, like a long-term favorite in the same way that I every few years go back to Burnout Paradise and still have a have a tremendous time, just like it's the first time I ever played that one, you know. If this was a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, I don't, I don't want to say fair. It feels like I'm complaining, but like, if it was a little bit more like competitively viable, I don't know. Maybe I'd, maybe it would become more of a regular staple in the same way that I go back to Smash uh, all the time and just have so much fun with, uh, with that one. But um, I, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the DLC. I, I was very impressed by the first DLC pack. Uh, recognize the kind of you know maybe the graphical fidelity isn't what we kind of came to expect from the base game or it's wii u dlc but um the amount of imagination that's on display and the sheer quantity of what they're promising us is uh enough to make this a very exciting package and you know the fact that they are remastering 48 courses from the series history is maybe another uh indication that they're looking to kind of tie up uh this branch of the mario game mario kart timeline to move into a different direction going forward you know it's kind of the the recap it's the monster hunter generations before moving into a new monster hunter world type of spinoff mm. you know good analogy. get the uh get the greatest hits package out there before trying something entirely brand new um so i'm uh, i'm looking forward to the rest of the 48 courses over the uh next two years and uh really curious to see what the team has in store for the future i hope it's different but uh i, I hope they continue to take kind of wild swings like they have in the past Nicely put. Yes, culmination, I think, is a good word. Certainly, as I said earlier, other than for nostalgia purposes and because I think they have interesting gameplay elements in their own right, I don't don't feel the need to too often go back with Mario Kart now that Super... uh, Super? (laughs) No Super. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe exists and not only that, but it's it's going to end up having kind of the vast majority of tracks from the history of the series. I don't know if that's true, actually. I haven't done the maths, but a lot of tracks from the history of the series come the end of uh, 2023, I think it will be. So I've bought this game twice and, well, the second time it was bought for me and uh, and all the extra content. Um, so I guess, you know, about 100 and something quid has been spent on it for me, but I'd be interested to know what my actual game clock time across both versions is. But I'm thinking it's probably in the sort of 150 hour region, which for a game with very little single player content to speak of, unless you're into time trialing in a serious way, uh, is not too bad. It's also, yeah, it's also interesting. Normally I would expect a game, it would need to have some kind of ongoing ranking system that I actually cared about, some kind of system of, unlocks or, or or 
progress, you know, Call of Duty prestiging or all that kind of thing. But it really it doesn't. You could you could aim to max out your your numbers or whatever on the ranking system, but it doesn't interest me at all. Every time I put this game on, it's just about the one race I'm having then or the or maybe the Grand Prix I'm having then. And as I say, the I might have some favorite tracks and some less favorite tracks, but the combination of the visuals and the music mean that I'm happy to see any one of those circuits come up any time. Uh, hence me generally punting away on the on the random selector when we go for online sessions. If there were a, cu- a couple of little changes that I would like to, to make, I would like a greater sense of physical connection with the surfaces of the track. I think the game is almost smooth to a fault. Um, like there are surfaces with, with pop marks and, and jumps and humps and that kind of thing, but it often feels like you're just kind of sliding along ice, uh, even when you're not. Um, and I would like those to, I understand that you want the tarmac raceways to feel pretty smooth and that, but just a little more sense, whether it's through resistance in the gameplay the way the game plays, or maybe, as I say, some more advanced haptics, a combination of that, that would just absolutely set everything off just nicely. But overall, yeah, incredible package. Um, I guess nearly half of Switch owners have have got a copy. Mm. Um, What are the other half doing? I don't know. Let's finish with Darren. This game for me is kind of the, the pinnacle of the series. I think like they've just completely refined everything about Mario Kart up until this point and made absolute belter of a package um you know single player content is 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 lacking i guess and the series has had some mission modes in the past and that's not in here but i think ultimately what they've done is they've just kind of you know that they've gone with what worked and they've completely just polished it to an nth degree and you know the, the presentation for me completely wins me over and i'm not normally one to be that kind of vapid about graphics and that but this game for me is mm-hmm. all about the presentation and just playing with either my little one or the, the Kenrich community online, like it's a multiplayer game through and through. And for that reason, I, um, <clears throat> yeah, I absolutely adore it. It's, it's fantastic. And yeah, I'm looking forward to those extra tracks. Nicely put. Well, here we go. Uh, five years nearly of Mario Kart podcasts, and we still haven't quite covered the whole series, but that's your lot for now. Maybe we'll revisit someday. Who knows? But get your requests for an F-Zero series in because we still haven't covered any F-Zero. Anyway, (laughs) just remains for me, Leon, to thank Darren, Ryan, Editor Jay, our correspondents, and of course, to you for listening to us. Next time in issue 517, we're off to the outer world. (laughs) 